Hey yo, today we are talking about ultimate life flex and um I don't, just this idea that we all get to create our realities. We're going to go ahead and embrace that no matter how we feel about that right now because sometimes, right, we're in positions where we're just sort of stuck. But in this world where we get to create our own realities, this ability to do this one thing to me is like ultimate life flex. And we're going to go ahead and break that down today. So uh, yeah, let's go. Hey, you're on this journey on this season five vibe and everything season five as I'm forecasting what it will look like is all about settling into the being, the knowing, transitioning from believing to knowing and fine-tune correcting what that looks like and just living. And we started out this show you know, really thinking that this was going to happen overnight. And one of my greatest accomplishments of all of this will be just continuing on and showing an example, a real life example of what it looks like to turn your life around. And so if you're just happening upon this show in season five, you should know there are four other seasons that have followed me on this journey this journey of turning my life around, this journey of finally getting to this place where I wasn't angry and spiteful and hateful and ego-driven. It really follows all of that. So you can go back to the start. What I will caution you is that it is unedited and pure and raw. And I was still very much in that ego hate phase of my life and it's all lived out loud and this whole journey has been lived out loud in truth so you will hear me venturing into businesses that if you follow the link that i am promising you will be there you will end up lost you are not going to get there just know that um but it's It's all about that journey. It was real. It was real right then. That business I was developing, that program, that course, that whatever, it was real and this is all real. This is me living my life out loud so we can all do our dreams. Heyo, welcome to the Death of Your Dream Podcast with your host, Hannah Nuss. And that's not how we start the show, but this is where we do the dreams. So let's go. And part of doing your dreams is grounding yourself in enough greatness that you have a level playing field. Or at least you're not playing from an inescapable depth. We got to build you back up that talk that this is not about like oh be so positive and wonderful about life that you ignore all of life's realities no we want both 
We want the good, the bad. We want to acknowledge when we're having those feelings. It's about adjusting to the reality. And I had sort of lived in this positive warp of how we are supposed to exist. And I blame it largely on a toxic Christian upbringing where there was no room for bad feelings. You were just always supposed to know that that was a part of your story, which it is. They're not wrong, right? But like we have an important role to play in all of that. And some of those roles are not burying down those actual feelings for the removal of feeling at all. And I don't know. I mean, is that, I, I think it was a lot. You know, I also grew up in the epinity of motivation culture and this, it's all about your mindset and it absolutely is. But faking your mindset to the point where you have no ability to recognize bad or you have no ability to make adjustments or realize that sometimes bad things just happen, that they're this it could be a great part of your story, but sometimes in that moment, it just isn't. And it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to say those things. It's okay to have those moments. It doesn't all have to be this sparkly, wonderful world because life is tough. And it's not always the way that we thought it was supposed to go. And sure. It was always supposed to go that way. And how wonderful that we all have that acceptance and acknowledgement. Yay. But it's not that. It's not all that. And sometimes life just hits you. And it sucks. And that's all there is to it. And the sooner that we can adjust to those realities, the better off we will be to just say that out loud and get that off of your chest and not swirl it and surround it with this <clears throat> like world is greener on the other side type mentality. Like it'll all be okay. And it will be, but we don't know how long. And we don't know how bad it's going to suck, whatever it is. And putting that off because someone tells us that we should be happy because we're more blessed than some people and this isn't so bad, blah, 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 blah. Like it is bad. Bad for you is bad, right? Whatever your bad is, is bad. And it's okay to feel bad about that, right? Like, man, this sucks. I don't, there's no other way to put it. If there's a blessing on the other side of this, it better be big is all I got to say. <laughs> you know, like, okay. And all the time, you know, when we get to the other side of that struggle, we're realizing, hey, there's something good that came of that. I didn't realize that this was going to be the blessing. But in that moment, burying down what you actually feel to have those conversations isn't healthy either. 
And so I grew up in that motivation culture, very toxic, positive culture where we were just supposed to always stay positive. And I am actually a very optimistic, like enthusiastic person about possibility and all the things. So I am naturally inclined to do this. And so it was actually near impossible for me to look at the dark side of things. I was like trained from birth inevitably and naturally inclined to be this positive person. And it was toxic and it almost capsized me. And so sometimes, you know, we have to have those conversations too. And they're good when we process them healthily, when we say things like we see them and then like let it go and give it some space. Sometimes that's all that it needs. It just, a spade needs to be called a spade, you know? Sometimes that just has to happen. That has to be a part of the conversation and the workup that goes into this. Like, uh, this just sucks. I'm not sure where we go from here. But I know somewhere it's it's going to work out, even though it doesn't feel like that right now. And right now, this just sucks. And that was the conversation that I was having this winter when we were encountering a ton of struggles all at once. It was just like, that's all there is to it. This just sucks. But I know from a few of those things, like a door closed that would not have closed if that terrible thing had not happened. It opened a door and fury for me to create my own thing. And I think, you know, not all sucky things happen so that something great happens. I think sometimes sucky things just happen and that's just it. Period. This just sucks. There is no other way around it. Um, and sometimes we just got to sit with that. So greatness grounding isn't about burying terrible things and saying only great things happen. It's just escalating and having the conversation of greatness or just forcing you to have it. Because if I know myself, and I do, I do, I know her. Hey, I know you. I know you, girl. Hey, um, I know her and I know the conversations that she was having with me and the majority of them were bad. So I feel like we got the negative stuff handled. We're good. And, and not even, you know, oh man, this sucks. I don't know what to do. Like I'm talking about that self-talk. So we want to improve at least a little bit of the self-talk so we can start making our way to having a better conversation with ourselves. So that's greatness grounding. And we do that every day. And so my great thing was just letting myself kind of scale back. I was sick. If you heard in the last episode, um, and when I'm sick, it's really hard for me to not just keep my foot down on the gas pedal and say too bad. So sad. You're sick. I don't care. I don't care one bit. You are sick. And that's just, you should be 
stronger. I don't know. You're not taking vitamins or you're not superhuman. I'm confused. You got stuff to do. It's too bad if you're sick. Get, get it done. And we were able to maintain some things of normalcy, but there were points where like, I just could not even function. I had so much to do. So annoying, but got a lot of it done. A lot of it. And I think on the other side of that, you know, I always have to remind myself of the human that I am. You know, and that may not be a struggle for some people. You might just be going, oh, you have to remind yourself that you're a human. <laughs> it doesn't seem like something you would need a reminder for, um, but it, it is something I need a reminder for. Always. Always. I always need a reminder for that. Please tell me that I am human. It is important that I remember. Um, <laughs> so my sickness likes to remind me of that. And then it's important for me to take a step back. And I was very lucky to also have um, a vacation in there. And it made it sort of complicated. I was feeling better probably by Friday afternoon, finally, the car ride on Thursday, I thought might be my demise. It was, I've never been so, um, unsettled on like my worst favorite thing about my kids being sick. And I hate everything about them being sick, but the worst thing is when they are restless, like when they just can't get comfortable, when they're just moving all around. That was me for the entire five hour car ride. I did not sit still probably for that whole thing. I tried sleeping. I probably fell asleep a couple of times, but man, I was just restless and I hate restlessness. It is one of my top, top things that I do not like. I do not like people not being able to just sit rest, to not shake their leg. Like I hate that extra energy having to be expelled somewhere. I don't like it. I think we should be able to just sit calmly, peacefully. We should be able to, if we're tired, we should be able to just lay comfortably, find a comfortable position, you know, and I could not even do that. And I don't know. I've never experienced it like that. I think it was just like everything in my head was essentially, <laughs> this is going to be a really gross analogy. So if you don't like pimple popping videos, take a second. But I feel like my sinuses, everything was just building all up to like my nose. I told my husband, like my whole face and mouth area, like everything under my eyes, nose and mouth just was in pain the pressure from this, what I think was just a sinus infection was just madness. I've never felt so assaulted in that area for that long. And it made everything uncomfortable. And so that's, um, but 
I rested. I did end up getting to have a very nice vacation. I think, honestly, taking some lake water to directly up the nose helped clear some of that. Um, and just being up, um, but like being mentally down. So if I hadn't been out and about, um, if I would have just stayed home and stayed sick, I would have forced myself to work regardless. And I think my brain, which is where all of the tension was, um, my brain needed a break too. So got that felt great. I always love, I think, okay, I'm going to actually get into that this episode. So that's my great thing. Go ahead and take time for yourself, recognize yourself for your greatness. So the only memories I have very few from my childhood, but I can remember a couple of traumatic. Well, I can remember traumatic grocery store visits where I would just like anxiously await the grocery store bill for this chance to get to go out to eat the once a month maybe that we got to and usually we didn't get to because we were always over and then we'd come home and it'd be like don't eat the groceries we just got we just got them we'd want to have food in our house you animals um, <laughs> so I remember that, that was a childhood memory. I remember, um, always getting kicked out from the kitchen table. I remember just for hours trolling around the back railroad tracks behind my house that were abandoned. Um, I remember like pretending like I was in the old world and that railroad trains were going to come through here. And I don't know. I don't know. I created a million different possibilities on those tracks. I remember, um, playing pickup football with my brother and his friends. I rem and the neighborhood kids. I remember, um, I remember going to Florida. We took one vacation. And I remember it. It was the greatest vacation. Because it really was the only one. But it was so great. I remember that. I And I remember trips to my great-grandpa's cabin in Minnesota. And, oh my gosh... I remember fishing out on the dock with my brother before everybody else woke up, other than the people who had gone out on the boat if they woke up before us. Um, and then I remember the grocery store in town, like on their main street, like a real grocery store, you know, one that just wasn't even touched by time, which is, those are my favorite. It's like, I don't even know how they're still getting some of the stuff that they're getting because nowhere else carries it, but they they still do because they, I don't know who their suppliers are, but they, maybe they are like going direct, but nobody else has it, but they do. And that grocery store for me, man, oh, it was the best when we got to go there. I don't even know why. I don't remember 
getting ever getting anything there, but I just remember loving how charming it was. It was just charming, you know? It was like nothing that I had seen before because the town that I grew up in was essentially erased. I'm guessing around the time that the train stopped coming through and when it just became like a rural formal farming community. So there just wasn't anything really there. If anything was frozen in time, you didn't get to go inside. I think we had a bank, but my parents did not bank there um, for whatever reason. Probably because... I don't know. Did we not have money to bank? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, probably because then everybody knows your business. And that's a real thing. Um, in a small town. So you'd only bank at the community bank if you had enough money to bank there. Because then everyone would know your business. Um, <laughs> but that was the only place. You know, there was a library, but that was updated. That was new. Um, the community center, which was like life-giving. And that was kind of frozen. I did dance classes there, and that was beautiful. But there's nothing like it. Nothing that had the charm that this place did. I mean, just everything. I can remember th the aisles. It just wasn't new or modern. It was just locked in time. Like stuff was dusty in there and nobody cared because it was your option, right? If you came to the lake there, you were either going to drive a bazillion miles or you were going to take what you got. And sometimes you just got a dusty old loaf of bread. <laughs> And I don't know why that sticks so clearly in my mind, but it does. And I love everything about it. And so that's just one of the core memories that I have in my childhood was going to that cabin. And for a while in college, I had the um, fold up couch that was in that cabin. I mean, it was like the straw bed. So eventually we got rid of it because it was raw iron, iron, and it was heavy as crap. It did not make sense to keep moving around college, but it was one of my favorite beds that I slept in. Certainly it killed, killed people. Certainly has asbestos in every single part of it. I don't, the hay, I don't even know why you would put hay in a bed, but it had hay in it. It was a heavy sucker, that mattress. I don't there was nothing OSHA compliant about that. The way that that was made about anything, I, it couldn't have came from a retailer. It was just an old cabin bed and I loved it. And so I kept it with me and it was just musty and the whole cabin smelled so like refreshingly musty. It was wonderful. It just was old and like frozen. I love that about cabins. I think they're the coolest things ever. I think also that like, if there's a flex to have as a grandparent, it's that. Like you are slated into that kid's memories forever. 
everything else might have a chance, but like having a place to go every single summer where you can just be a kid. Mm, yep. You're in, you're in that grandparent. Think about it. Did you have a place like that when you were growing up? Okay. And if you did, which grandparents do you talk about most when you're talking about your memories? It's that one. It is. Yeah. So we only went, I, I can only remember going two times to that cabin, but like that great grandpa that had that cabin. I don't even think he went with us. I don't, I mean, I don't even remember, but like he's the person that provided us all of those memories. The big bass that I caught the one morning while everyone else was fishing. My brother and I always got made fun of because everybody was like, oh yeah, you're going to catch a big fish off the dock. And then one morning we actually did, but we did not get the net in time, but it was trophy bass lit like had to have been but no net so but my brother saw it i saw it and one of my uncles saw it so it happened but we didn't end up getting it because i was just fishing with a little kid fishing pole and i caught probably i don't know how much fish weigh but probably 20 pounds probably 20 pound bass big bass must have came in to eat some little fish i don't know but i caught it my brother ran up the hill, ran up the hill to go get the net to bring it. And just as I'm like reeling it up and in my line breaks, but you know, that's a memory. That's a core memory forever. That story, the madness and the, I don't know, just how cool it is to like have, we would have multiple, the, the cabin that we were in was just when it got dark, it was just straight beds, everything folded out. And then you just had curtains between each bed, but it was just like straight beds. And then there was a kitchen on the back, but that was it. You had one bathroom, one the one time that we were up there, we had to redo that bathroom. Grandpa decided he wanted to repaint it and they painted it the most absurd seafoam green that you could ever imagine in your whole life. I don't know why it was so bright. You couldn't see straight when you were in there. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was just the cabin. Nothing had to make sense. Nothing had to match. And everybody just slept like within an arm's reach of one another. It was amazing. And you made all your meals together and you spent time just cutting up fish together and riding around on the lake and fishing and boating and skiing. And it was just amazing. And I, I, I certainly hope to be the grandparent who, who gets to own all those memories. Like what a huge, I don't, to me, like what a familial sacrifice because you could do whatever you want with your money, right? Like, Oh, I'm just, just going to get myself this nice 
car. I'm just going to go get myself a nicer house. And, and yeah, you're going to have memories there at your house. So that makes sense. And that's sacrificial as well. Or I'm going to take my money and I'm going to, uh, invest it. And I'm going to save up extra for retirement so then I can go travel. And like, that's awesome too. But I'm just saying like the people who say, Hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this with my money. Like my great grandpa did. Like I'm going to, he, I think he just loved fishing. So he had a fishing cabin and you know, he came over from England when he was 12. He started working at John Deere. I'm not sure what age, um, but he built a whole life here. His wife came over from England around the same time and they built up this life. And so they had this cabin in, I think it was Ely, Minnesota. Maybe. I don't even remember. It was too far for us to go um, very often. But when we did, like I remember every few times, it must have been two or three times that we got to go there. And it was amazing. So when I say that we didn't vacation, Minnesota wasn't a vacation for us because usually it was like only over the weekend quick trip which for some people that is a vacation but like florida was our only you know parents took time off of work vacation and i don't know there's just something about people who are willing to do that to invest in families that way, because that's what that is. That's, you're not like, I'm going to get this cabin and I hope no one comes to it. I'm just, you know, I'm going to fill it with beds and we're going to make it comfortable for people to come up here to visit. But I hope nobody comes like, no. And do you know how much work goes into that? I was explaining that to my daughters on our way home. Like it didn't, it's just something that happens. I mean, it feels like it just happens because we get there, but like there's food there. You know, the lawn has been maintained. There's working water and sewer and the lake has been maintained. And this, like, it's huge investment of not only finances, but also time. And so I just, I hope to do that for my family too. I think that is a aspirational goal to be the place, to be the people that those memories are built with and around is like a major life flex that I would like to have, you know, like I'm not out here doing all this other stuff. I'm just here creating this little slice of happiness for you. Should you ever get the chance to take advantage of it? And there's a chance that they don't, right? So like, that is pretty risky. You're just out here sowing these seeds going, yeah, we're going to create this, this amazing place. And we're going to, I think people will come and you don't know that. You don't know that. And so what a huge sacrifice. And so we're extremely blessed to have a, um, summer cabin. Um, my husband's 
parents have a cabin that we get to go to and it is the coolest. It's like 10 times better than my childhood cabin, but like almost the exact same thing, you know? And I think what a blessing for my kids to have those memories and that they have that ability to create something like that. Um, I think that's really amazing. And I think it's such a huge sacrifice for someone to do. And we're very blessed to have that. I was blessed to have that growing up. And, um, you know, what a cool thing. And what a cool thing to copy um, when we are older as well, to be able to provide that experience for people um, later in life too. So I don't even know how we got on that other than it was such a great escape of a weekend. It's so nice to be so close to something to be able to just kind of take a little pause in life and remember what life is all about and then come back very quickly to be able to do that over a weekend is such a blessing. So I don't know, you know, my hashtag goals in life, buy a cabin someday. As always, you're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, I've enjoyed spending time with you and I cannot thank you enough for making what I do possible. If you want to continue to support the show and therefore continue the development of everything that we're doing here with the death of a dream and the development of local and all of the platforms that allow dreamers to do, you can go ahead and connect with us on socials at local shop space and connect with me on socials at Hannah Nuss. And I would love to see you there. Go ahead and check out all of our websites and everything that we do here. I would love you to do all of that, to like, share, and and comment on everything that we're doing. But bottom line, I, I just want you to do your dreams. And as long as you're going after the things that set your heart on fire, that's all that really matters. Change the world. <laughs>